Welcome to Preston Minster. Find your home, find your purpose, transform your city. Let's jump into this week's talk. Well, so for those of us who are here, we've not had to travel far for the warm weather, have we? We are very lucky, except I bet that 90% of us probably don't have aircon, so I'll be the first to admit it's been a sweaty struggle. <laughs> anyway, I still love the sunshine. Anyone else with me? And do you know what? That got me to thinking. What do we find happiness in? So for me, it could be sunshine or exercise or a captivating true crime series or maybe coffee, church, hanging out with others. What do you find happiness in? Well, today, I'd love us to begin a journey of discovering and rediscovering hope and joy, especially when circumstances are tough. Not a temporary happiness which comes and goes as often as the sun rises and sets, but an eternal joy that can only be found through him and a hope which anchors the soul in every circumstance. So I'd love us to start with a story of hope. A little while ago, I was in, I spent some time in the Calais refugee camp. Um, it was October now, and we'd reached the infamous eviction week. Only a few of us still permitted to be on site. Surrounded by black clouds of smoke and orange skies from the fires of destruction that raged through the night, as we walked through the camp in those final few hours, we witnessed the exodus of people continue along their way. This was their pilgrimage. Seeing our friends, Hagos, who was only 16, Bagadi, who had an economics degree and he loved learning a new funny English idiom every single day. Um, Semi, who'd lost his brother along the way to dehydration from traveling across the Sahara Desert. And Ali, a young Muslim who'd been dreaming of Jesus every night that he camped. As we walked through, or we paused on this sand dune, um, just for a moment, one of our friends, in the midst of the chaos and in the destruction and in the uncertainty, he looked up to us and he sang this song that we'd been learning together for many, many months. He sang, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. Now, friends, I know that we're not in a refugee camp here or even uh, close to the Sahara Desert, let alone traveling through it. We aren't in a physical exodus, but in our own individual journeys, we all face struggles, don't we? Maybe some of us here are on a road with financial challenges or mental health battles. We might be experiencing the pressure and anxiety of the country's current economic climate with the cost of living ever increasing. 
or perhaps we're on a road with spiritual hurdles to overcome. Wherever we may be on our pilgrimage of life today, the mountaintop or the valley, let's open our hearts to the Holy Spirit to speak to us wherever we are and let our hearts still sing, he's a good, good father. Shall we pray before we start? Father, we thank you that in everything that you are good, we come before you this morning and we just say, wherever we are, whatever we're facing, would you speak to us? May we encounter you through the work of your Holy Spirit. Amen. And so talking of idioms, just before we dig into the passage, I'd like to address a possible elephant in the room. As we started talking about this series with other people, different, uh, everyone has been confused by my apparent pronunciation of the word Sam, <laughs> which is apparently meant to be pronounced Psalm. <laughs> so does anyone else say it like me? No? Just, just me? Okay. So just for clarity, we're not talking about a book written by Sam. We're talking about the biblical book of Psalms. So in, in our continuation of the Psalms of Ascent, let's read together chapter 126. And as we read, I'd love us to notice three things. One, looking back with joy and hope. Two, joy in the midst of struggle. And three, looking forward with joy and hope. Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. What I love about the book of Psalms is that throughout it, there's this rhythm of poetic reflection of the past, which creates an imagery for the future. The early chapters are filled with hope and requests of returning home from exile, corresponding with the hope of the future kingdom of Jesus. In the middle, the prayers and the songs are calling forth God's promises to redeem the people from exile whilst acknowledging their own failings. And also, a significant shift at this point from lament to praise. Prayers focused on pain and frustration and upset become ones of joy and of celebration. From asking God to thanking God. Then chapters 120 to 134 are the Psalms of Ascent. Prayers and songs that were sung as the Jews made their pilgrimage home, ending again by pointing forward to the future King of Jesus, redemption for all. 
In this prayer of Psalm 126, we continue to see the profound juxtaposition or parallels, you could call them, woven through this chapter, which echo the rhythm of our own Christian pilgrimage. Church, isn't it the reality of our lives that there will be both valleys and mountaintops, peaks and troughs, troubles and triumphs? So how do we, in the trouble um, of our disappointments and our hardship, in the trough of pain and in the valley of grief, do we find joy and continue to say, like our friend at the bottom of the sand dune, he's a good, good father. Eugene Peterson frames joy like this. Joy is not a requirement of Christian discipleship. It's a consequence. Joy is not a requirement of Christian discipleship. It is a consequence. It's not what we have to acquire in order to experience life in Christ. It's what comes to us when we are walking in the way of faith and of obedience. So firstly, we can reset the tempo. In verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 126, the author continues this underlying beat of retelling and remembering the goodness of God in times of suffering. We see that joy has a history. It says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. Have you ever been somewhere or received something and thought, oh, this is just too good to be true? Like a dream opportunity or a promise fulfilled. Well, despite the uncertainty of the future still, the Jews coming out of exile felt like that their sudden, when they found their sudden freedom. Verse 1 says, we were like those who dreamed. The Lord interrupted their struggle and pain in just a moment with his abundance of grace. And in our pain or whatever we're facing today, we can remember God's redemptive interruption in the struggles of our yesterday. And by continually remembering and retelling, we are resetting the tempo of our lives with an underlying beat of God's goodness and of his faithfulness. Joy builds in the past. Will you sing, he's a good, good father? Two, reconcile the cross rhythm. Culture tells us that Suffering and joy conflict with one another. It would have us believe that they are mutually exclusive. And do you ever find that it often tells us to silence the sound of our suffering? Culture says, anesthetize your pain with temporary pleasures and fixes. Numb the grief, depersonalize, forget. But I can't find one suggestion of that in the Bible. Not one whisper in this chapter. What do we see? What we do see in verse 3 is that we can live in the midst of pain and struggle, acknowledge it, 
and yet still find joy. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we have capacity for both joy and suffering to coexist. Reconcile the cross rhythm. And whilst their journey towards home, which was still in need of such desperate restoration, verse 3 shows us this powerful interweaving of both joy and challenge. A joy that is not rooted in their circumstance, but in the knowledge that God is good and that he has overcome the world. And listen close. All through the Psalms, we hear the cross rhythm of lament and praise, of joy and of suffering. It is resounding. Two rhythms organized beautifully, always pointing to Jesus. Even Paul in the New Testament, writing from prison, reminds us of our call to joy. In Philippians 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be apparent to all. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and petition, like Psalm 126. With thanksgiving, that's the first two verses. Present your requests to God, like we see in verses 4 to 6. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So one, reset the tempo. Remember, remember, remember. And two, reconcile the cross rhythm. Joy and suffering can coexist. And lastly, three, respond with an upbeat. An upbeat always precedes the future beats. This is a knowing that our future is not yet, but knowing that God is already there. Will you trust that because God has been good in the past, that he will be good in the future? Completing Peterson's quote, just as joy builds in the past, it borrows from the future. It expects things to happen. So joy builds, joy borrows, joy expects. Let our upbeat preceding our own not yet be an ambitious expectation, an anticipation of his goodness in the midst of our struggles, drawing forth and borrowing joy and hope for our present from our future, which is secured in him. Verses four to six says, restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. <sighs> what bold expectation. What countercultural hope. And what depth of joy. The streams were an interruption to drought in the land at that time, and they brought restoration harvest, just like the Lord can do for us. And so we see again these beautiful parallels from drought to harvest. Whilst we weep, we still sow. And what is the promise? 
that tears and weeping do not come back empty, but they return with songs of joy. And so what do verses four to six teach us for our present circumstances? They tell us to expect boldly, to hope against the odds, and to sing with joy, respond with an upbeat. I remember, and actually maybe many of you remember, uh, my arriving into Preston, so determined and so excited to be here for the launch, but still all like suited and booted following reconstructive surgery on my ankle. What was less obvious perhaps was that after years of ongoing and debilitating struggle with this, I now felt like I'd begun to lose all hope about even walking again as normal or exercising or running again. Recovery was slow and hard to see. It sounds dramatic, doesn't it now? It looks dramatic now, but I felt like I'd allowed my circumstances to dictate my joy. And in hindsight, I did have hope and joy through Jesus that I believe got me through those years before and after. And now I do find happiness in the park run group, but remember that my joy is rooted in Christ, regardless of any physical ailments or lack thereof. And so my encouragement to you is don't be disheartened in those seasons. Joy is still joy. Hope still anchors the soul. Maybe it just looks a little different in the valley than on the mountaintop, but it's no less constant and he's no less powerful. Whatever our present circumstance, joy is not something that we strive for. It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, after all. And nor is it secondary to suffering, to sadness, to sorrow, struggle, hardship, conflict, grief. It's found alongside them. And if we continue to separate the two, no wonder we sometimes find ourselves striving. Reset the tempo, reconcile that cross rhythm, and respond with an upbeat. Joy is built on the past. My encouragement is also to you to tell your stories, to release joy in you and in others. Remember, remember, remember. But maybe this morning you're carrying disappointment. You might be carrying worries about how you're going to pay your bills or you're desperate for a breakthrough in a tough situation, living with grief or sorrow. But friends, there is joy and hope for you today. Borrow joy and hope for you're not yet and expect a harvest rooted in the truth that he is a good, good father. Whatever your circumstance, will you sing with me today? Thanks for listening. Follow us on social media. See you next week.